dead of night, as people sleep, that's when the spirits creep. As the bell tolls three, dark things take power. We like to call it the supernatural hour. Welcome to the Supernatural Hour. I'm sitting here with... Raven. I love my new name, just so you know. And? Don. You want to know what I did? We're Chad. Chad. I don't understand the Chad thing. I saw that on Discord. You're like, it's like Chad has joined the chat. And I'm like, who the hell is Chad? I'll have to show you the comic. There's a comic. But I have to tell you what I did. Okay. I went on Facebook. Not Facebook. I went on Amazon and typed in Raven, the way I spell it. I have to spell it cool. R-A-V-Y-N. And there's actually some um, things on Facebook. There's a thing that says it's a raven thing you wouldn't understand. And then there's a one that says raven with a picture of a raven. And then I went all crazy and I bought a Ravenclaw shirt just because. That's so raven. Anyhow. For those of you that watched Disney Channel back <laughs> in the day. Way back. <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of stoked about my new nickname. It's well, my game name, too. If you, if you game with me, my, my game name's raven. Okay. Because I'm a, I'm a geek. Beaker sometimes. I'm a geek that way. Some people know me as Abram. That's one of my characters on World of Warcraft. Yes, I'm a geek. Well, actually, if you go, in my games, I'm actually Raven Al Valar, which means tribe of Valar, and Valar is the name of the person that's my liege in the game. Anyway, it's, yeah. Sometimes I die in games and turn into a ghost. That's paranormal related. Um, <laughs> anyway, I went out in the weeds. Sorry. Welcome to Paranormal Hour with us. Supernatural Hour. But you said paranormal, Did so I? that was stuck in my head. So I don't know. Well, if I said it wrong, I apologize. Welcome to the Supernatural Hour. We don't even know what the name of our show is, I think. <laughs> it's been so long. It's been about a month. It has. I've, I was out of the country. How was that? It was awesome. Any, did you do any fun ghost stuff while you were out of the country? No. I didn't. Okay, um, moving on then. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll handle a little bit of business. And uh, all I have right now is um, go to advancedparanormal.com under the merchandise tab. You can buy some of the awesome Advanced Paranormal and Supernatural Hour merchandise that we have available there. We do have uh, stuff like t-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, travel tumblers, notebooks, and uh, some other cool stuff. Go check it out. Notebooks. Yeah, we do have notebooks. I love the, notebooks. We have a notebook with a Supernatural Hour logo on it. I've seen one, and they're actually pretty cool. Because I did go there, but I didn't go past the apparel off to go get a notebook. Yeah, there's notebooks, and other, there's other fun stuff. There's even a tote see, bag. Look, I've got like two notebooks right here on our table with, with my notes. And none of them are cool Supernatural Hour notebooks. And none of them are Supernatural Hour notebooks. I need to get one. All right, well, that's what I'm about to buy next. <laughs> Alrighty then. Um... I guess next up we have some recent investigations that I've done um, because Raven's been out of the country and uh, I'm scared of Dawn when she's not around. No. <laughs> <laughs> Chad. Chad. Um, yes, Chad. You should watch Chad Vader sometime. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, both of the ones i actually been on recently uh, were follow-up investigations that we had one of them was actually a follow-up from an investigation that our team did about a year ago and this is not one that i remember because i was not a part of this one um but the lady contacted us her son was actually hearing disembodied voices in his bedroom in the basement okay that's actually kind of awesome i mean it can be scary but it's well it, awesome. it told him something like i want you to leave or something like that it was it was not a nice voice so creepy it was creepy it said something that it scared him like he literally i mean this is a teenage son too he wasn't like a little kid mm -hmm. you know he looked like he's about 16 17 maybe and he was afraid to sleep in his room wow. like that's how creeped out he was and so i set up the investigation i took peaches up there it was just me and her and we get there, and Peaches is doing her thing, gets her shoes off, and she's kind of filling out the area. And I felt energy in the basement really strong in one corner of the house, and I just kind of pointed 
to the corner of the house and I'm like downstairs in that corner right there is that where you heard the voice and the the lady just looked at me like holy crap she's like say that again and, and had me say it to her son I'm like the voice you heard it was it was downstairs in, in that corner of the house in that room right and he's and they just the look on their face they were just like completely surprised that I knew that that's awesome. And I'm, they're like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I can feel the energy down there. Like, it's that's where it's coming from. And it happened to be, I was right, that's the kid's bedroom where he was sleeping and he heard the voice. Um, some of the other stuff that the family told us after we got there, one of the sons had actually saw someone, um, you know, it was his girlfriend or wife, um, saw someone standing next to him, next to her on the uh, by the bed. And she thought it was her boyfriend who's actually in the bed next to her. And she rolled over and saw him laying in the bed and it kind of freaked her out a little bit. And I don't know if it was the same night or if it was a different night, but the same, the same son kind of went around the house checking everybody to make sure that they were okay. And he opened up this same bedroom where the, the other son had actually heard the voice. He opened that door and saw him laying on the floor. And he's like, okay. And then went upstairs we got upstairs that other that kid was actually up sleeping on the couch so creepy they weren't exactly sure who they saw uh laying on the floor in the bedroom but definitely wasn't the person that was supposed to be in there because he had already hightailed it upstairs so um and they mentioned that uh after we kind of finished cleaning the house they mentioned that they were having some sort of they mentioned i think last year someone one of our investigators told me had a, a water elemental and i said well have you been having problems with your plumbing and like finding random leaks that you don't know where they're coming from stuff like that and they're like yeah how'd you know <laughs> water elemental. and i'm like well that's actually one of the things that water elementals do they kind of thrive on that kind of destruction is this the one that the puddles smelled like downy no this was a different house that okay. house was in magna this one the one i went to is in uh, ogden okay um so we oh, get there. Oh, wait, just, just just for your information, we are broadcasting from the Water Elemental Studios. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yes, we are. The, the anyway. room that we record in, uh, there used to be some similar stuff like that where they thought it was a possible Water Elemental. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get down to the basement because we knew that's where all the activity was happening before the family like told us any of this stuff. All I knew was our team had been out there before. And they heard a voice, and they were scared. So we get there. Brandy, before we even got to the house, like, we were pulling up, and just like, I think it's that house, because uh, there's a portal in that one. So we go downstairs, and there's a big portal in the basement um, that Brandy was able to close the portal. And it was, it was interesting, because she got the portal closed, and then she uh, gathered up personal items from each individual in the house, uh, some of the one of the things that she does is when we're at somebody's house is she puts a a binding on the house with the permission of the homeowner. Obviously, we don't just do stuff randomly and not tell you that we're doing it. She's very thorough on her explanation on what she's doing, why she's doing it, and how it works. Um, so the the family feels comfortable with the decision on whether or not they they want this done. So she performed the the binding and. It was it was kind of fun because like the the family afterwards are like, well, is it gone? Is everything gone? And I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, I don't feel that same energy anymore. And then the son who was like afraid of his bedroom, he's just like, you know, it's weird. It's like it was really cold when we first came down here. Now it's a lot warmer. And I mean, part of that could have been if we had a big group of people in the room, and body heat does kind of heat things up. Um, but the bedroom was also very cold when we first started and no one was in the room that door was shut when we were finished and walking away uh, he went in the room and he's like i can't remember the last time it's been this warm in this room oh that's awesome so being able to kind of clear those spirits out and it was so what it was is like a one-way portal where spirits were able to come through but that was it once they're there they're there and so some spirits were just hanging out and some they would just go on their way but there's one particular spirit it was a male that was just kind of a grumpy guy that was just kind of harassing the family um and there was brandy to confirm there was actually a water elemental but as soon as she closed the portal all the spirits kind of hightailed it they're just like we don't want anything to do with this and so they left um 
overall it was a really good experience it was it was fun to kind of teach them a little bit more about what we do and how we do it and answer all their questions that they had and it's always fun like when you're done uh helping someone at their house to see that look of like relief on their faces and know that they're not afraid to be in their own house or their own rooms they're actually comfortable where they live again right we went to one um it's been a few months ago and it was out in the Eagle Mountain area, and it, and, and I think we've talked about it on a, on a podcast after it happened, um, because this was one of my more favorite ones. But um, basically, it was her grandfather's spirit, and the grandfather's spirit was kind of causing her some grief. He'd caused her grief in life, and he was still causing her grief. But when we got everything cleared, and, and we got him out, oh, um, she she couldn't stop hugging us. I've never been hugged so much by a client. Um, you know, she wanted to pay us, and it's like, no, 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 you can't pay us. Um, she, she, I mean, just the gratitude of people when they do get the help, but when they've been scared and, and uncertain of what's going on in their own home, it's really quite satisfying. Yeah, so the the other investigation I did, like I said, this was another follow-up, um, uh, one that our team had recently done uh, that I was unavailable to go on as well. We had a lady that uh, lives in an apartment by herself, and she was actually, and this is something I don't recommend doing um, unless it's just like something that's kind of happening like right away. Like obviously you're not going to be seeing orbs all that much with your naked eye. Um, but if you do experience like sounds or noises and stuff and you want to just take like a quick video to see if you get anything, that might be okay. But this person was kind of... I mean, she had a lot of videos she was showing me that she took in her house. She's a little addicted to the orb videos. Yeah, and I kind of had to explain to her, I'm like, okay, now that this, and this was after I was done with the investigation, I'll, I'll get back into that, but I, I do not recommend trying to collect EVPs or videos of orbs or anything in your own home because it can and probably will attract something that you may or may not want in your house. It could bring in something, a nice spirit, it could be negative or not nice not not so nice spirit coming into your house you just don't know so i actually recommended that she stop doing the videos and whether or not she's going to do that i don't know but um i just kind of we've mentioned this on our shows before i'm just going to mention this again don't try to collect evidence in your own home um we all are paranormal investigators on the show and on our team and none of us investigate our own homes unless we feel that there's a, a reason to absolutely do so and we don't do it ourselves. We'll actually have other members of the team come and do it for us. Yes. I mean, as you know, I've got two spirits in my home, and I have spoken to just them before. Um, but that's only been a time or two. Um, and that was early on, um, you know, in my investigating. I don't know that I would even do that now. So the, some of the experiences this lady was having, like I said, she was getting the orb videos. And she, I believe she said she saw or felt someone in the bathroom, in the shower area. And then I believe she, she also um, had a case of like sleep paralysis. And there was just some negative energy that she just, it wasn't feeling right in her house. And this is a little, uh, about a month or so after our team had been out there. And so I went back to kind of just check on things and see, you know, if there was anything that the team had missed and there wasn't this was actually a, a different spirit that had found its way into her house so the spirit that was bothering her beforehand our team actually did get rid of um i believe they were talking to a spirit originally named tim and he was gone he wasn't there when i went uh, back then there was a spirit that was still there but it was her older brother uh that was kind of there watching over her and it was funny because i felt her dad uh, come in and out every now and then. Her dad was actually a crossover spirit. Her brother uh, was not. He was still earthbound, and he's there watching over her little sister still, uh, making sure that she's okay. Now, this other spirit, I'm not sure who he was or where he came from. Um, I just know his energy felt like, you know, it wasn't wanted in the house. Um, so I was able to kind of tap into his energy, and I was able to kind of just kind of, you know, ask him to leave the, the home because he just he wasn't welcome there and once i was able to get him out of the house we just kind of use our smudge spray around the doors and windows just to kind of create a, a seal to keep him from coming back in 
Um, so I'm not as good as doing like protection and stuff like Peaches is, but um, there have been cases where I've been able to kind of, and, and you've seen this, uh, Deanne's seen this, where I've been able to kind of get a spirit to leave the house and then I just kind of seal the door that I get them out of uh, mm-hmm. afterwards to just kind of keep them from coming back in. Uh, but then we were able to talk to her, her brother a little bit and find out some information, some very personal information that I can't share on the show. But the one thing that was funny, she was showing us the video. And in the video, she tells her brother that she loves her. And I hear from the brother, I love you too. Aww. Um, so it was kind of nice to be able to tell her that, that you know her dad and her brother, they're watching out for her and that they you know love her and hope that she's doing well and i explained to her i'm like your brother is going to be with you until the day you die he's basically he's like one of her spirit guides now um in a sense he's more of a protecting spirit but yeah he's going to be there watching over her uh, until it's time for both of them to go home awesome so we are able to kind of there they she did have three stones um there was a really big one and then two smaller ones off to the side and I thought it was funny because I'm like, you know what these stones represent and why you pick these out, right? And she's like, no. I'm like, are you very religious? And she's like, I believe she was raised Catholic. I don't know if she still practices the religion. But the way the stones, the sizes and the way they're set up, I'm like, that represents the Godhead. And you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, there was some ener- some weird energy on one of the stones. I was able to cleanse that and, and uh, revitalize the stone with positive energy using Mike's help. Um, but we were able to handle the situation and get the, the spirits out that were bothering her and, and let the ones that wanted to be with her stay. And, and it was funny cause like her friend that was there with us you, and her as well, you could see their whole demeanor change and you can just feel the shift of energy. Like they pointed it out before we even said anything. Mm-hmm. They, the friend was actually like, yeah, she's like, it feels a lot happier, a lot brighter in here now. So that was another story that we had where I was actually able to help somebody out and, again, make them feel comfortable in their own home, Mm -hmm. which is, again, one of the main reasons why we do this. Absolutely. So that was some of the recent investigations that I've done. Um, Well, and we actually have um, three, maybe four, actually maybe even five residentials in the works. I've had people... You know, people will contact me, and then we have to, you know, it takes three or four days to to get a team put together. Um, Sometimes people will contact me and say, we'll get back with you, and they don't. Um, But I've got about three or four or five in the works, so by our next podcast, we should have even more stories. Well, on our next podcast as well, we should have stories of our family tree investigation. Absolutely. Um, when you, By the time you hear this, the investigation will have already happened, but as of the time of the recording, the investigation is tomorrow, so... um, it was fun. <laughs> um, family tree is always a good time. I've never gone to family tree and not had something happen. So unfortunately on this episode, you won't hear any of our stories from family tree, but it will be on the next episode that we record. And one of the things that we're going to try to do is collect more stories and evidence from the ticket holders, you guys, the listeners, the people that come and join us, in the investigation. We want to hear your experiences and we want to be able to share them with everybody else on the show right because we have a lot of listeners that aren't local and you know that can't come to family tree you know because they're in new zealand or something so you know we want to be able to share more and you know and and let them experience it as much as they can even though they can't actually attend yeah and then i'm sure as much as you guys enjoy listening to our paranormal stories it might be nice to hear these venues from somebody else's point of view because let's be honest i've i've been there probably like 40 times in the last couple years right so i'm sure you're tired of hearing what i have to say maybe i don't know you could you could enjoy what i have to say but um we think it might be nice to be able to kind of collect stories and and share them uh, that other people had not just our experiences right so if you do come on one with us um you know remember what happened um, of course you're going to remember what happened but we're going to have you write it down either email it to us or we'll have a form you can fill out or you know let us know if something interesting or exciting happens and um, you know and if you want it shared sometimes things happen and it's personal and people don't want them shared and that's fine but um it'll be interesting to hear just, others experiences yeah one of the new things one of the new directions we're taking is instead of just trying to make the investigations 
uh, on the website, the Facebook, and the podcast instead of just our perspective and point of view. We want to open it up more to what everybody experienced. Um, we think that might be more enjoyable for you guys. I know it's going to be more enjoyable for us because it is exciting for you guys to, when you approach us on the investigations be like, oh, yeah, this happened and this happened. And to be honest with you, we sometimes forget about it and we when it comes time to recording the show. But we're going to try to be more active on posting the stories on social media or talking about them on the show. Well, and everybody experiences things differently. And, you know, you're going to hear our points of view and, and how we experience things. But... You know, a lot of the ticket holders might have completely different experiences and, um, you know, things may manifest differently to them and, and that will be fun to hear. Okay. So I think we've uh, killed enough time before we got into our main topic. Um, <laughs> the last couple of episodes were like 10 minutes in. We're like, oh, we're already to the topic. Are we going to be able to fill the episode? This time we're a little bit farther in and I apologize. We kind of drug that out, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the stories about the, the paranormal investigations. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about someone that they have named the Destroying Angel of Mormondom. Mormondom? Yeah, that's a tricky word, huh? It is. Um, I think it would be so I've cool to have a nickname of, of the Destroying Angel. That sounds... Yeah, the Destroying Angel, I've been heard. I've read that he was also referred to as the Avenging Angel. He's also um, called Old Port, but I think if I had the choice between Old Port or the Destroying Angel, I would definitely go with Destroying Angel. So yeah, the Destroying Angel. Um, now this this does have some ties into the LDS history a little bit, um, being that he was heavily involved in... I, I would say a lot. <laughs> heavily involved in, in a lot of the stuff that uh, went on when the church was forced, first formed, and that person is... Porter Rockwell. Uh, He's pretty much a stud, I've decided. He, this picture of him I got here on, on my iPad looks really cool. I wish I could grow hair like his. I got the beard down. I can't do the long hair because I might be able to. His hair is kind of thinning on top, too. I, I might be able to pull off the Porter Rockwell Yeah, look. I actually noticed that, too. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about Porter Rockwell, and I'm going to go ahead and let Deanne start us off. So... One of the Raven. things that um, that I found interesting, if you grow up in Utah, if you grow up in in um, in this culture, in this church, you, you hear about him. Um, basically, he and Joseph Smith were neighbors. They grew up near to each other, and they'd known each other their whole life. And he became Joseph Smith, and then subsequently Brigham Young, who came after Joseph Smith. Um, he was their personal bodyguard. Um, touch, touch bases on how young... Porter was compared to Joseph Smith. He was you eight, remember eight years younger. Yeah. So there was about an eight-year difference. So like 16 and 8 was the difference there. And they right. were pretty, and pretty inseparable. They were. And he was really helpful when, when Joseph Smith came to, when it came time to publish the Book of Mormon, um, Porter Rockwell actually worked. He picked berries and hauled wood to help um, earn money to publish the Book of Mormon. So, I mean, they were... They were kind of, you know, in together very early on. Um, but I knew that he was um, kind of a badass. Can I say badass? Yes. Yeah. He was. The FCC won't get us on this. Excellent. So, you know, I always knew he was was a, a badass, but I'm going to kind of jump. I mean, we're going to kind of jump around because his life was so interesting. It's going to be hard to go in chronological order. But one of the reasons he was called the Destroying Angel of Mormonism and there's not a list of who he killed, um, <laughs> but he's accredited to killing 24 to 100 people. And most of the time, um, it was outlaws or defending his own life because people were coming at him because he was a, a marshal and a bodyguard. Yeah, he was a, a well, deputy uh, marshal. And he was a known, he, was, he had a reputation of almost being unkillable. Right. That he was such a a stud as a gunfighter for young guns to make their bones it's like well i'm gonna go shoot porter rockwell right but he um he was called the destroying angel but it says that he killed more men and i didn't know this until i kind of did some some brush up for this podcast but he killed more men than wyatt earp doc holliday tom horn and bat masterson combined um and he had like a hawk-like vision. They said that he could shoot someone riding off on a horse in the dead of night. He was so good. Um, and one of the reasons that he couldn't be killed, or that 
that he survived so long is um, at one point Joseph Smith gave him a prophecy and the prophecy basically said if you don't cut your hair you can't be harmed you know bullets won't harm you anymore. or blade or blade bullets or blade can't harm you yeah from what I read I'm they referred to him as like the modern day Samson mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know don't cut your hair off I believe he wasn't allowed to shave either I don't right. know if that was a personal choice or if that was part of the, the prophecy but yeah <clears throat> He didn't cut his beard or hair except one time. Yeah, one time, and I'll let you talk about that. But, yeah, from what I read, Joseph Smith basically said, um, as long as you have this hair and beard, you will not die by a bullet. Which was true. He ended up uh, living a long life and, and died at home, I believe. But we'll, we'll get more into that. Yeah, so um, it's right here. I wrote it down. He says, and this is quoted, says, I prophesy in the name of the Lord that you, Orrin Porter Rockwell, so long as ye shall remain loyal and true to thy faith, need fear no enemy, cut not thy hair, so that would be probably hair and beard, and no bullet or blade can harm thee. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So he actually died of um, natural causes. He was about 60-something, 65 or 67. So if you figure back in the 1800s, that was a, a pretty ripe old age. So he did cut his hair once, Um, and the reason he cut his hair, Joseph Smith had a younger brother named Don Carlos, and Don Carlos's wife got typhoid, I think it was, some some illness, I think it was typhoid. Don Don Carlos's widow, because he had died. Correct. Yeah, so... And she was losing her hair, so he did cut off his hair, his luscious locks, so that she could make a wig, which I thought was really sweet. I understood so, he had the wig made for her and presented it to her. Yeah. But yeah, so that she had a wig so that she... So that she wasn't... Of Porter so Rockwell's heart. Yeah. So so she didn't like go sneak and trick him and, and cut it while he was sleeping. He, he did it his own self. I thought, oh, he got this little badass gunslinger, but he cuts his hair off to make a widow a wig. Isn't that cute? And I also... It, it also talked about that he then went under an alias for quite a while till his hair grew back. I didn't. That's yes. funny. <laughs> He's funny. Hmm. Um, so he spent. He was. He was really quite known for his loyalty, and he was very relentless. Because he was very relentless and kind of badass. That's that's the word of the day, by the way. Um, and I don't do the swears often, so be impressed or shocked. I don't know if I extra ass of the swear. <laughs> I do. I can think of a lot worse ones. Well, yeah, me too. So, um, because he was so relentless and, and fierce and, you know, getting a reputation, um, he was often accused of stuff that he didn't do. Um, he actually spent nine months in prison once. Um, and they treat, I mean, when you're in prison, you know, you're never really treated great, at least at that time. Now you can get, you know, your college degree and stuff. But at the time, um, you weren't really treated that great in prison. Um, and he... You know, was in a cold prison. They didn't give him any bedding. They would feed him food that the dogs wouldn't even eat. And the reason he was here is because um, at the time, uh, the, the governor of Missouri didn't like the Mormons, as they were called at the, that time. And he signed an extermination order. Executive Order 44. Yep, exactly. Kind of like Order 66 and well, here's the thing. Star Wars. The funny thing is they didn't rescind that until, like, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So it would have been legal to kill Mormons up till about 15 years ago in Missouri. Man, I missed out. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no wantingness to kill anybody. But he, yeah, he didn't treat um, the Mormons very good. And so someone attempted to assassinate him and they just uh, automatically assumed it was Porter Rockwell. And so they threw him into prison and he was there for nine months and so they did, finally let him out. So did you hear the story when someone asked Porter Rockwell if he shot Governor Boggs? Tell us. Porter Rockwell said he's alive, isn't he? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, Porter Rockwell, he... So he, you know, his, his point was, no, he didn't shoot him because he wouldn't be alive if he had shot him. Right. He, um... He had a quote that said, I never killed anybody that didn't need killing. So, which I thought was kind of funny. He had some good one-liners, like Brigham Young. Brigham Young had some pretty good one-liners. Um, the, uh, something I learned. So back then, not a lot of people were terribly literate. 
you know, in the in the mid to 1800s. Um, I mean, more so than like in the Middle Ages, but it kind of is hard to tell where, um, you know, what's myth and what's reality because he didn't keep a journal. You know, the people that were literate back then, you know, were heavy into writing letters and, and journaling, but he didn't. Um, so a lot of this is, I don't want to say hearsay, but things that other people wrote, you know, and some of it is legend. You know, he was so legendary that things tend to get bigger and bigger. Um, but he, even though he wasn't terribly literate, he was very business-minded. Um, and he actually owned a hot springs hotel and brewery, which is near what we call the point of the mountain now. It's, um... If you're familiar with Utah at all, it's near where the state prison is. And it actually did quite well. And at its peak, it was producing 500 barrels of quality lager. Lager? Lager? I'm not an alcohol. Lager. I don't know how to pronounce that. Cause it's lager. L-A-G-E-R. Lager. I don't drink the alcohol, so... Oh, you're missing out. So I don't know. Not really. So, um, <laughs> so he was very business-minded. There are two statues of him in Utah. One is near where his brewery was. Um, and I just, it just, it's funny because, you know, he was a long-standing, very loyal member of the church, but he owned a brewery, which is just weird. Um, and then there's one in Lehigh, um, which is a town near where we're podcasting. Um, there's a restaurant there. There used to be a restaurant there called Porter's Place, which was fabulous. And then they shut down, which hurts my heart because it was a really fun place to go to. They had good steak. And Porter's Place was crazy haunted. Um, I personally can tell you there was at least four spirits there. And one time when we were there, we asked the um, the waiter, you know, and he's like, oh yeah, he says there's places in here that, you know, we won't go by ourselves. And we said, is the owner here? Would you ask him if we can come and, and investigate? And so he did, and the, the owner wasn't into that. But now that the building is, now that the restaurant's not there, I wonder if we can get in. I wonder if we can somehow. There's only one way to find out. Call and ask? Yep. So, yeah, we'll have to do that. So, yeah, Porter's Place. So there's a there's a um, a statue of him by Porter's Place. So in in Mormon history, LDS history, um, people might be aware, you know, that Joseph Smith was taken to the Carthage jail and then martyred there at the Carthage jail. Um, the, the reason behind that was the burning of the Novo, the Nauvoo Expositor press, um, which had been, um, orders given to Porter Rockwell to destroy the press. Um, and he was, he was involved with that is the thing and, and kind of a, thing of personal note there is my third grand, great grandfather uh, David Norton Jr. was also indicted in that same action with Porter Rockwell so they um, were were more than acquaintances they were kind of cohorts with things and when Porter went to um, the gold fields in 1849 um, David Norton Jr. went there also in his wife um ran the first uh, uh boarding house um that porter rockwell had there in in northern california right. you know and as i read about him you know i always knew that he was a gunslinger and you know and a bodyguard and you know a contemporary of wyatt earp and bat masterson but the more i read about him you know i really earned a lot of respect for him um you know, like I mentioned before, a lot of charges were were brought on him, you know, because he was kind of the scapegoat. Um, but at one point in Nauvoo, if you're, if you're familiar with church history, um, the church had, a, had quite a large city and a large presence in Nauvoo. And the saints were starting, you know, the, the church members were starting to be persecuted. And so Brigham Young told... Porter Rockwell, he says, we need to get some pressure off of the, um, and I've, I've written this down, it's funny, we need to get some pressure off of, you know, the persecution from the saints, and so um, he was running around in the street shooting his gun above people's heads, you know, just purposely trying to get imprisoned, and he was, you know, they, they got him and they, they threw him into prison, you know, and he basically went to prison because the prophet Brigham Young told him to, um, and he's like, all right. You know, and he was married and had children, and I'll go to prison. Um, but even though, even though 
you know, he's killed, and again, we don't have a number between 24 and 100 men. He was very, um, you know, he had a lot of integrity, and he didn't just go around killing anybody. In fact, Joseph Smith said of him, he is, who is now a fellow wanderer with myself is an exile from his home, like me because of the murderous deeds and infernal fiendish dispositions of unrelenting hands of the Missourians. And it's just a a history thing. If you're from Missouri currently, we don't think you're fiendish. You're you're totally cool now. Um, (laughs) Says he is an innocent and noble... um, He's an innocent and noble boy. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you got this badass gunslinger and you've got Joseph Smith calling him a noble boy. But I have to remember, you know, he was quite a bit, I mean, by quite a bit, eight years older. Um, May the God Almighty deliver him from the hands of his um, pursuers. Let the blessings of salvation and honor be his portion. So even though, you know, he was a gunslinger and and he... was responsible for killing a lot of people. He was very noble and had a lot of integrity. Yeah, and he was a sheriff and a marshal. I mean, these aren't, you know, we'd say gunslinger. We're thinking about that in the yeah, in, was, in the sense of not a hired gun to go out and kill yeah. people. and he wasn't a vigilante. Um, yeah. You know, it was usually, like he said, people that needed killing. Um, I don't know that anyone <laughs> needs killing, but he wasn't just out, you know, shooting whatever for whatever reason. There was usually a reason. There were usually, you know, a horse thief or, you know, as part of his job. He was also well-known in Hollywood. Um, so there was an indie movie called Rockwell in 1994, um, and actually in that movie was Randy Gleave and Carl Malone, our very own Utah Carl Malone, um, in the 1940s. And I think it's, it's actually a movie about Brigham Young, but it had Porter Rockwell as quite a main character mm-hmm. in it. Um, and it had um, John Carradine in it, a TV show called The Avenging Angel in 1995, um, there was a movie called Plan 10 from Outer Space in 1995 that has Porter Rockwell in it. In 1969, there was a TV series called Death Valley Days, which does not sound familiar to me because I... I remember Death Valley Days. Yeah, they had the Borax team and they yeah. showed the, the Borax 20-year-old teams carrying the things across. Yeah, I think Ronald Reagan used to actually be like the commentator or the host of that. Oh, really? Yeah, I read that and I thought, I've never heard of that. But there was an episode called Son of Thunder, which featured... I've never seen any of these, so I can't tell you a whole lot about them. I, I actually remember that, and I don't remember it as being a Death Valley Days one. I thought it was a Twilight Zone one, but I remember as a kid watching that episode about Porter Rockwell. Well, Wikipedia says it's a Death Valley Days episode. I, w- I will believe so. that. Um, and it says that there's actually an upcoming film called Out of Liberty, um, and it's his experiences in the Liberty Jail, um, you know, with Joseph Smith. Um so one of his things, speaking of Joseph Smith being in jail, um, he was imprisoned, you know, persecuted because of his faith. But Porter Rockwell actually snuck um, some tools into Joseph Smith when he was in the jail that um, Joseph used to try to escape. And he made like a four foot hole and, it, you know, it took him you know, several weeks to, to dig this hole. He didn't actually break through. But by the time that was Liberty Jail, correct? I think so. I don't think that was Carthage. I no, think that was Liberty Jail. It was jail. Liberty. That's what I said. So um, by the time they let Joseph Smith out, he was only just a few inches through a four-foot wall to breaking through. So he almost escaped, but he didn't quite. But with help from from his friend Porter Rockwell bringing him bringing him stuff to, to dig through the, the rock wall. Along that, with Joseph Smith and Porter Rockwell, I understand that Joseph Smith gave Porter Rockwell orders not to come to Carthage. I think he was explicitly explicitly ordered not to come to Carthage. And and then when he went um, after Joseph Smith was was killed, um, he went with he kept following Brigham Young because he said this is what Joseph would have wanted me to do, and he was actually invaluable as a scout um, and helped the Saints when they came out west as a scout and um, I mean he was. Brigham Young's personal bodyguard, but he also protected, you know, the other saints and, you know, looked ahead and made sure everything was safe where they went. Um, Before we move off of TV, there's also a a documentary made in 2010 called Stories from the Life of Porter Rockwell. And after reading this little bit about him, I mean, I always thought he was cool, but this makes me want to watch that documentary. Okay, so there was um, a period of time where, because Porter Rockwell was a mountain man, 
Um, it actually attracted the attention of a traveler named uh, Richard Francis Burton that actually he came here to Utah to see Porter Rockwell. Um, at the time, like when he stopped in here, I believe it was in 1860, he was making a trip across America and he ended up staying here in Salt Lake with a man named uh, Lys- uh, Lansder Dayton. And this guy invited Porter to come have dinner with him. And when they were having dinner, um, Rockwell got a bottle of Valley Tan whiskey and he and um, Burton actually went shot for shot uh, throughout the, the entire night. And while they were doing this, Rockwell was actually outlining steps that Burton should take uh, so he could pass safely to the San Fr- or Sacramento is where he was heading. He also advised him to carry a loaded double-barreled shotgun uh, to sleep in a dark camp and to never trust appearances and to avoid the main trail where the quote-unquote white Indians would prey on travelers. And the reason they called them white Indians is basically it was just uh, the white people or white man would dress up as Native Americans or Indians and go around robbing people. So he's actually been able to help people kind of avoid situations like that. So since he... Because we talked about how his hair, you know, he couldn't cut it. And if you look at pictures of him, it shows his flowing locks. And they're actually kind of a little natural curl to it that makes me just a smidgen jealous. I mean, his hair looks thick and curly, and I'm, I'm a little jealous. But he would normally wear his hair braided and tucked into a bob. And after he cut it and, you know, let it grow back, he, you know, again, braided it and tucked it into a, a bob. And we talked about how he served as a scout and a game hunter for the Saints. And I found a cute little song. There's a, a little ditty that they made about him back in the day. Um, you know, before you had Facebook, you had to just make up songs about people. So, like Ring Around the Rosies? Yes, like Ring Around the Rosies. Talks about the plague. So this little ditty says, Have you heard of Porter Rockwell? He's a Mormon um, triggerite which I think is a fancy word for gunslinger. Okay, Have you heard of Porter Rockwell? He's a Mormon triggerite. They say he hunts for horse thieves when the moon is shining bright. So if you wrestle cattle, I'll tell you what to do. Get the drop on Porter Rockwell or he'll get the drop on you. So he was, he was pretty famous back in the day. So one of the websites that I read was like his second or third great grandson giving, you know, some of, some of his take on his great great-grandfather. He says that he was referred to as a diamond in the rough. Um, He abhorred deceit and intrigue. Um, They said he was above average height. And so I thought, well, what's above average height? And as I did a little digging around, apparently he was five foot six, which would be above average height in the the mid to late 1800s. They didn't grow him very tall back then. Um, They said he was very quick in movement. He had strong arms and strong chest. He had gray, cool, and searching eyes. And if you look at the pictures, I mean, all pictures from the 1800s, the eyes look a little creepy, but you look at his and and you can kind of see what they mean. Um, He had natural curly hair. That was just my, that was my observation. Um, And he was a very good businessman, like we said, with his his brewery. Um, He also, I think he had a, I'm going to say he had a sense of humor, just based on what I read says that he harassed Johnston. So when when the Mormon pioneers came out to Utah and just started camping here, um, the federal government sent out an, an army, Johnston's army, and that gets into a whole other story, which we won't go into. Um, long story short, as it pertains to Porter Rockwell for our podcast, um, he went out and kind of harassed him and, you know, caused him trouble and caused him delays and just enough delay so that the pioneers here could get out of their homes and, and kind of prepare for this army to come. And so I can just see him having fun with that, you know, being a scout and, and you know, being a gunslinger, just really having fun. Yeah, this was pre-Civil War and uh, the Mormons had actually prepared Salt Lake to burn it to the ground if Johnston's army came into Salt Lake and they were able to negotiate a, an arrangement and Johnston's army actually went south down into the Lehigh area. Um, but yeah, they were, they were ready to do that. But Porter Rockwell and others um, 
made it difficult for Johnston's army to to come and and do what they wanted to. And again, this was pre-Civil War. Yep. So um, we are the supernatural hour. We talk about supernatural things. And other than talking about a restaurant in Lehigh named after Porter Rockwell, and there's a lot of things in Utah named after Porter Rockwell, just so you know. Um, he's actually buried in the Salt Lake Cemetery. Um, Don and I have been there. Um, it says that there was an area just um, just west of our podcast area um, called Eagle Mountain that um, Porter Rockwell actually didn't like. Porter Rockwell himself thought that this was haunted and, and he didn't like to go in this area. So I am going to read for you this story that I found. So it says, Orrin Porter Rockwell, a gunslinger, bodyguard, and deputy territorial marshal, thought that the area around Joe's dugout was haunted. And this Joe's dugout is an area out by Camp Floyd. It says, um, on occasion, Porter's young employee, Gundamson, was asked to ride with Porter from Lehigh to what is now Fairfield and Cedar Fort. About halfway there, a fellow named Joe Dorton had a little dugout in the hill from which he carried on trade with the soldiers at Camp Floyd. Dusk was approaching when Porter went up to the door of the dugout to inquire of Joe about an outlaw he was tracking. The sought-after outlaw himself came to the door of the dugout when Porter knocked. As Gutmanson would later tell his family and record, the next thing he saw was Porter backing away from the door with his hands in the air while the outlaw pulled the trigger on his pistol. Gunmanson testified that in the dark he saw a tongue of flame leap out of the barrel of the gun and said it looked as if the flames of the pistol were going right through Porter's chest and out his back, but incredibly Porter was completely unharmed. When the man's gun was empty, he threw it on the ground and ran up the hill behind the house. Porter came over to the wagon, took out his rifle, and shot and killed the robber. He went over to the body and threw it down a dry well. So this, this dry well has now become kind of infamous with some more modern stories says this story leads me into a modern day mystery about that well an eagle mountain resident which is a town a newer town that's kind of cropped up in that area um we'll call her barbara gives this account as told by her daughter a couple of years ago in the evening it wasn't super dark yet that a man was walking she said he walked towards the dugout before the fence was there and there's a picture online there's there's a fence around this dugout now and went down in the hole she watched and watched and watched for a long time and he never came back out she said he was wearing a regular jacket and a hat with flaps. She called my dad at work and told him about it, and when he got home from work, he walked over and never saw anyone there. Barbara said that the man was carrying a sack or something similar. Another incident is told by David, another Eagle Mountain resident. The story does not necessarily have anything to do with the well at, at Joe's dugout, but it did happen in that same area in proximity to the well. David gives the following account. It was 2.30 in the morning, and I was heading to work, and when I got by Hidden Hollow Elementary, all of a sudden I see this black shape heading north from the hill where people parked to go mountain biking. It almost looked like a shadow. I could tell it was not a deer. It was moving very fast, looking like it was running on four legs, but as soon as it got to Pony Express, it raced up onto two legs, and Pony Express is a, is a road. And the feet um, were moving quickly. When it got up on two legs, it didn't slow or break stride, it just stood up and ran. David continues, it was like it made a transformation from an animal shape into almost human shape. When I got to the area, I tried to see if I could make anything out, but did not see anything. He talked about being reluctant to share his story. I kept quiet because I thought I could not have seen what I just did, but I know I saw something. Another resident had the same type of incident a few years previously. This is what he recorded that his sister experienced and shared it on a paranormal website. Um... It was sort of cloudy and cold that night. The moon was out, and it gave off a little light, but she could still see. It wasn't with her that... Oh, I wasn't with her that night. I was safe at home watching a movie. When she was near the town park, a silhouette of something was near her. Upon closer inspection, she could see that it wasn't human. One of the side, on one of the side streets, she saw that the shadow was one that looks like the whole bunch of different animals at once. May I remind you, she was not under the influence or hallucinating. So all this is real. She calmly started walking away as it came a little closer. My sister then turned around and started speed walking back to the house, taking a few looks back. Then she could see it never made any advances toward her after she had started speeding up. When she got home, she looked rather shaken up, shaky and pale. My other sister asked her what was wrong, and she explained the whole incident. 
Even though I was around nine and gullible at the time, I still believe her to this day, especially from the look on her face told me that she had definitely seen something and it was definitely real. And I just find this interesting that, um, and I don't think it started with Porter Rockwell throwing the body down the well, because even before that, he didn't like going that, in that area because he thought it was haunted himself. So that would be an interesting area to go. We should definitely go check it out sometime. Go check it out. It's super close. It's It would be free because it's just outside. So I like free. Free's good. Anyway, so Porter Rockwell, cool dude. Watch the documentary. I think it'll be awesome. I'm going to. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know that you mentioned that wasn't covered in the research I did. So that's, that's really cool. Um so yeah, I uh, hope you enjoyed listening about Porter Rockwell. Uh, we're going to jump into Stone of the Week, and this week I have picked Ruby. Um, Ruby is red in color. It's bright uh, and transparent when it's polished. It's opaque when it's not. Uh, it can be small faceted crystal or a large cloudy piece. Its rarity is uh, when it's uncut, it's readily available. Polished uh, As a polished gemstone, it's, it's expensive uh some of the places that it's mined from is india madagascar russia sri lanka cambodia kenya and mexico and some of the attributes of ruby is that it's an excellent stone for energy uh, it imparts vigor to life it energizes and balances but may also sometimes overstimulate in delicate or irritable people uh, ruby encourages passion for life but never in self-destructive way now it improves motivation and setting of realistic goals a ruby stimulates the heart chakra and balances the heart it encourage, encourages following your bliss uh, this stone is a powerful shield against psychic attack and vampirism of heart energy it promotes positive dreams and clear visualizations and stimulates the penal gland ruby is one of the stones of abundance and aids retaining wealth and passion Psychologically, Ruby brings up anger or negative energy for transmutation and encourages removal of anything negative from your path. It promotes dynamic leadership. As I'm reading this, I think this is a stone that I need to go buy. <laughs> like when I was scrolling through the Crystal Bible, trying to decide what stone I needed, I got to this one and something told me to just stop and read about this one. And I kind of feel like this is for me, but hopefully it's for some other people out there as well. Now, mentally, uh, Ruby brings about a positive and courageous state of mind. Uh, under the influence of Ruby, the mind is sharp with heightened awareness and excellent concentration. Uh, given this stone's protective effect, it makes you stronger during disputes or controversy. Uh, emotionally, Ruby is dynamic. It charges up passion and fires the enthusiasm. Ruby is a sociable stone that attracts sexual activity. Uh, physically, Ruby overcomes exhaustion and lethargy and imparts potency and vigor. Uh, conversely, it calms hyperactive, hyperactivity. Uh, healing. Ruby detoxifies the body, blood, and lymph and treats fevers, infectious disease, and restricted blood flow. It is extremely beneficial for the heart and circulatory systems. Uh, it stimulates the adrenals, kidneys, reproductive organs, and spleen. Uh, the position you want to use this is either over your heart, on your finger, or on your ankle. Uh, there you is could a, get like an ankle bracelet that has a ruby in it. I might get like a ring or something. Well, I, I'm not saying you. I just mean... You could get an ankle bracelet I made of ruby. You could. That'd be cool. Uh, as a combination stone, you can actually find ruby in uh, zoite. Zoite. I don't know if I'm reading that correctly. Um, when it's in this combination, it actually activates the crown chakra and creates an altered state of consciousness and facilitates access to soul memory and spiritual learning. It can be extremely helpful in soul healing and in past life work. This stone has the unusual property of promoting individuality while at the same time retaining the interconnectedness with the rest of humanity. Uh, it powerfully amplifies the biomagnetic field around the body. And again, that is Ruby. So that sounds pretty cool. I actually have a question for you. It just kind of popped up. has nothing to do with Ruby, actually. Okay. But I'm going to ask anyway, because it has to do with stone, and we're in the stone of the week segment. 
So, a good stone for insomnia. Do you, do you have one off the top of your head? I want to say halite. Okay. Um, it's a white and black stone. I actually have a piece of halite hidden in my pillowcase. I'll have to get one because I have the problems with insomnia. Yeah, I believe halite helps with that. I'll have to do a little more research on that, but I know halite is helpful when it comes to sleeping. Okay, so if you, like me, tend to suffer with insomnia, we will have more information about you at, the, at our next podcast. I don't know if I've done Halite before. I might have to do that on the next episode. Yeah, because I, I do the insomnia. Yeah, so that's Ruby. And it's funny, as I'm reading the healing things, I've actually, I was telling Don earlier, I had an ultrasound done on my heart this morning because um, I've been having some chest pain and some numbness in my arm. Uh, it was determined it wasn't a heart attack but they're still trying to figure out what's going on and i think it's interesting that uh, some of the things that ruby says it does is it helps with the heart with and, the heart. and uh, other problems along that line so we need to get you some ruby slippers like apparently Dorothy. yes and then i will walk around and annoying the shit out of everybody clicking my heel saying there's no place like home <laughs> all righty so i think that can bring us to our wacky paranormal news um, I don't know that uh, this is pretty wacky. I'm just going to read it because it's um, the purpose of this was kind of some um, some guy went through the old New York Times and wrote down just some funny stories that he found in old New York Times. And so the purpose of me reading this is to give you that old kind of cadence and, and words that they used. Um, so this was printed in the New York Times, April 21st, 1896. And it's titled... Flatbush has a ghost. It has returned for its hand, which Mr. Norton dug up. Um, says, the old town of Flatbush, now the 29th ward of Brooklyn, has a ghost. A Simon Pure, sure enough ghost, that nightly walks on East Broadway near Nordstrand Avenue and stops at the house of Charles Norton to make inquiries for a hand that it lost there many years ago while its restless spirit was in the flesh. These visits are not fully appreciated by Norton or his wife, but appears that Norton is to blame for the appearance of the ghost, because his ghost ship was not heard of until Norton, while searching for gold in his cellar, dug up a hand that had laid undisturbed for years. So, don't dig for ghosts, or don't dig for gold in your basement, you'll get the ghosts. So there was a ring on one of the fingers of the exhumed hand, and when this had been rubbed, the ghost, in true Arabian Nights fashion, appeared... And as it failed to get instructions from Norton, it is said now that all it wants is his hand and ring, that thereafter it will cease worrying the descendants of the early Dutch in Flash. Now, I don't know what early Dutch has with it, but he basically, it's like, give me my hand, give me the ring, I'll leave you alone, right? So, the story that the old Dutchman in the town tell of the ghost is that 60 years ago, this is where we learn about the Dutch, um, a belated traveler with lots of gold in his belt stayed overnight, and they spell stayed, S-T-A-I-D, stayed overnight at the farmhouse of one Krug, a thrifty Dutch farmer. Now Krug, when he heard of the large amount of gold that his visitor had about him, gave up his own room to the stranger and insisted that he should occupy it. The next day the visitor had disappeared, and when the family asked Krug about it, he said the man had departed before daybreak. But mysteriously, I added that, the bedclothing was also missing, and Krug accounted for that by saying he had burned it because the stranger had just recovered from an attack of yellow fever. So it all sounds up and up, right? Subsequently, a man's hand was found behind the bed. It had been cut off by Krug with an axe, it is said. When the hand was found, Krug disappeared, and the hand was buried. Mrs. Norton, in speaking of this ghost and its uncanny visits, said the house was haunted and continued. And I quote, Everybody who has lived here since murder was done under this roof has had bad luck. One man who occupied the house about 40 years ago left his wife and children and ran away with another man's wife. Another was a burglar, and when he was caught, a whole lot of silverware was found buried in the cellar. Another committed suicide. We've been here for six years now, and there has been nothing but sickness in our family. I don't like to talk about these things. It sends chills down my back. Norton, while hunting for the silverware supposed to be buried in the cellar, dug up two rusty revolutionary swords, and several pieces of ancient coin before the hand was unearthed. So, moral to the story, if you don't want the ghosts, don't dig for gold in your cellar. Or don't kill people and put them in your cellar. That's probably good advice, too. Well, what if you're killing them for the gold that you bury in your cellar? You're going to get the ghosts. You're going to get the ghosts. Damn it. All right, I guess I won't steal gold from a ghost. 
I mean, it sounds like fun. <laughs> Don't steal from dead people. That's just mean. Yeah. Although I could do a lot of things with gold. I could too. Like I'd go on more vacations. I would just make YouTube videos of me playing with my gold and be like, ha ha ha. Like light laying in it and, <laughs> and making like gold angels, like snow angels, but gold yes. angels. I'd do like a Scrooge McDuck thing. And although this isn't physically possible, I would swim in my gold. <laughs> That'd be hard to swim in gold. Oh yeah, no, he did it in the cartoon. Oh, because you can do anything in cartoons. Oh yeah, cartoons are real. So you can <laughs> swim in your gold. Yes, we'll in do my it. dreams. Um, so yes, to answer your question, halite is a good stone for insomnia. Um, so I just put it in my pillow. Yep. Awesome. I actually looked at my list. I've already talked about halite, so it won't be on the next episode. We'll pick something else. But um, halite, for those of you who are wondering, like Deanne, is good for insomnia. Um, like I said, I've got a little piece that I have in my pillowcase and I, you know, put it on the side that's actually on the bed cause I don't want to lay on, on a stone that wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Cause my favorite thing to do is to be like super tired at 10 o'clock that I can't even stay awake and then I fall asleep and then I wake up at midnight and then I lay awake staring at the ceiling till like four in the morning. Yep. Try some halite. So awesome. I will. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening everybody. And we'll uh, catch you next time. Yep. Talk to you later. See ya. Peace out, butterflies. You've been listening to the Supernatural Hour at advancedparanormal.com. The Supernatural Hour is part of the Radio Ronan Network found at radioronan.com.